This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. We're so happy to have you here. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And we are just creeping up on October here. I'm starting to see the, little, the, the leaves change. I'm one of those suckers that gets excited for the leaves, I'll be honest. And uh, everything that comes along with fall, whether that's going to the pumpkin patch with my friends and family, whether that is uh, just having some, some nice cider. We've talked about cocktails that we like to have around this time of the year. Justin, are you getting excited for fall? I am. Fall uh, is college football, which has the yes. whole ritual around it, uh, separate from the NFL. And then, of course, uh, the NFL on Sundays and Monday nights and Thursday nights now. And just the ability to get out and walk around and experience nature coming to the end of the cycle and preparing for fall when friends and family get together to celebrate the end of the year. So we're on the cusp and uh, rapidly approaching. And the great news is, is this is the time of year where all of the uh, – foodstuffs that we rely on coming for harvest. So it's grains for beer and spirits and it's grapes for wine and it's fruits for pies and brandies. This is the this is the time of year everybody has worked to get to. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an important time especially living in the Pacific Northwest where so much of our so much of that comes from locally sourced local sources. So, it's pretty pretty cool. You guys also are getting ready for the holidays in another way. We've talked about it a couple weeks in a row here on Cast Club Radio, but the, the holidays are right around the corner, and if you want to start planning early, you can. That's right. The Advent calendars have arrived, and our crews have been busy packing them. Uh, we've filled about a million little bottles <laughs> in the last five weeks, and the cardboard cases and the uh, Advent calendar boxes themselves have arrived, and they're starting to get shipped out. We shipped out the big shipment to the New Hampshire uh, State Liquor System just yesterday and getting ready to uh, send out more and more and people can go to heritagedistilling.com and pre-order your spirits advent calendar this year before they sell out well as you're preparing for the holidays and getting ready for that uh, if you need a break and you just want to hang out with friends and family justin uh, Heritage has something pretty cool going on at the Capitol Hill location. We do. We are testing out a concept we call a friends and family happy hour. It's a pre-happy hour. It's Saturdays at 2 o'clock, and uh, you get discounts and flights for you and your guests. And uh, the idea is to kind of get out and about earlier in the day and before you go to real happy hour at your favorite establishment, eventually dinner, come enjoy pre-happy hour at the Capitol Hill location of Heritage Distilling. And this is something unique to that location, right? It is. We've not rolled this out at any of our other locations. And uh, because of the type and size of the neighborhood, we're testing this concept out. And I would love people's feedback. Again, Saturdays at 2. I love it because there's really not that many happy hours that occur on Saturdays. So it's a, it's a unique opportunity to take advantage of that. That's right. Perfect. In the meantime, what's going on in the headlines this week? Well, our friends at Yahoo report that... <laughs> 
archaeologists have found what they think is the world's oldest brewery in Israel. The site, uh, they think, was the home to ceremonies about 13,000 years ago. Uh, they claim that they have found vessels, uh, what they call mortars, to produce what was a beer-like beverage, different than what we experience in today's beer culture. But it was fermented uh, nonetheless, and that uh, was a weaker form. There were small pits discovered in the cave, and uh, two of the mortars were used for storing grains. The third was for pounding and brewing the grains ahead of fermentation. They were only about two feet deep, so not a lot of uh, production going on, but they think that they were tied to ceremonial use or some type of social event because of where they were found in the burial cave. So uh, this predates the appearance of domesticated cereals by several thousand years in the Near East, which indicates that the early hunter-gatherers had settled down uh, and began trading and uh, began to develop what we now think of today as beer eventually. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't surprise me that that this it's a tradition that goes back that long, but it's still pretty cool that they, that they were able to find this. That's right, and uh, fermentation is a way of uh, preserving items, so it makes sense that in those days, without refrigeration, that uh, you would ferment what you could. In many cases, fermentation was uncontrollable. It was just uh, uh, an act of nature. Absolutely. Necessity <clears throat> is the mother of all invention, as they say. And well, sometimes accidents are as well. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on in the headlines? Well, if you have $65,000, we talk on the show here repeatedly about the excesses of uh, people spending on uh, high-end experiences and spirits at auctions. If you have $65,000, you can attend the Roll Out the Barrel Ultimate Whiskey Vacation Experience in Tennessee. This comes from distillerytrail.com, and uh, husband and wife team of Sean and Lisa Higgins begin a tour group that they call Mint Julep Experiences. What does $65,000 get you? Well, first, you get a private tour at the famous Jack Daniels Distillery. You are flown by private helicopter from Nashville to Lynchburg, where the distillery is. You do a private barrel selection with the master distiller. If he's in town, you meet the master distiller, Jeff Arnott. Uh, you sample, you sample uh, whiskey from three of their elite single barrel select Tennessee whiskey uh, barrels inside the rickhouse. Once you choose your barrel, you get personalized bottles from the chosen barrel that will be shipped to you later with customized bronze medallions, a crystal decanter, a barrel head, and eventually you get the rest of the barrel uh, coming to display in your home or man cave or she shed, whatever <laughs> it is you might have at your house. Uh, the $65,000 also gets you helicopter flights, luxury transportation, and trip coordination in and around the region, and and you get a two-night stay, all meals included, at the Omni Hotel, which is an excellent uh, excellent resort. You get the presidential suite. Accommodations include downtown views, a living room with a wet bar, king bedroom. All meals are included. And you get an unmatched surf and turf dining experience at Bob's Steak and Chop House. You also get, from Colonel Littleton... $5,000 worth of your choice of custom briefcases, bags, luggage, personal gear, home decor, all leather from the Master Craftsman's at Colonel Little. And finally, you get a $5,000 pair of custom Lucchese boots because everybody needs cowboy boots, $5,000 cowboy boots when you are um, enjoying your whiskey. So that is the ultimate whiskey vacation for only $65,000. A cool price of $65,000, of course. That's right. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, did, would it shock you? How many people do you think actually go on this this experience? I don't even want to call it a vacation. It sounds like an experience. Maybe one or two a year. Yeah. Yeah. And 
if you don't have $65,000 and you were hoping to spend maybe five or 10 or 20 by going to Sharky's Lounge in Harrison Township, Ohio, well, you might want to get new plans. According to Fox 45 Now in Ohio, Sharky's Lounge has lost their liquor license. Why is this? Well, it's an adult entertainment club uh, full of women dancing, and investigators found that people were using food stamps to buy lap dances, drinks, and drugs. And so they yanked their liquor license and shut them down appropriately so. So if you're going to Harrison Township, you want to make other plans. Make other plans, please. Yes. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, it's perhaps the most essential ingredient in a lot of drinks, although we don't think about it often. And two bartenders have a very different take on it. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thank you again for joining us on this fine Saturday, September 29th. Now, I teased it before the break. It's one of the most important ingredients in cocktails. That would be ice. And there's two very different takes on it. Is hand-cut ice better than machine-made versions? That's the big question today. Or is it just too laborious to deal with? Should bartenders use hand-carved ice? And we've sort of got the exploration the, the viewpoints from both sides of this soapbox. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I want to ask you, uh, from a consumer perspective, what do you feel about the selection of ice that goes in your cocktails? I can't say that I've had a strong opinion either way. I think if, if that is the experience you're going for, for a specific artisanal cocktail, if it is a cocktail bar and that is the brand and the identity of said bar, then I am all for a hand-cut or hand-carved ice. But I would say most bars that I've been in, that has not been the main feature or the total purpose of of being there. In that respect, I totally understand machine-made ice and the fact that you've got to churn out X amount of drinks a night, and that primarily has been my experience. Yeah, and of course for some drinks like a mint julep, which requires the really fine, almost shaved ice for that type of cocktail. That makes sense. That's a different kind of uh, production here. We're talking about the big hunks, the the big cubes sometimes can be as big as two or three inches uh, square and all a cube and all all six sides or some of the really elaborate ice cubes that they'll carve into big diamond shapes or something kind of funky and it almost fills up the entire glass, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, it could be art. That's right. It is art in some cases. And so the fine folks in the UK held a debate and of course there were two sides of the issue and and first was a gentleman named Samuel Jeevans. He's the head bartender for the London Cocktail Club in the UK. He says no, hand cut ice does not make sense, at least for his establishment, because the goal of using ice in cocktails is to get the drink cold and to get consistently at the same temperature at the same level of dilution. That's important because cocktails are really about recipes. It's like Mm -hmm. a little mini chemistry class. So he says you can't argue with some of the benefits of using slowly frozen ice. That's what the big chunk cubes require, slow, uh, slow, low freezing. It'll fit in the glass better and it gives you less dilution, but it doesn't always work for every bar. He says at the London Cocktail Club, they are a high volume bar with nine sites 
in and around the, the club where they're serving cocktails. They use slowly frozen hand-carved ice. No, they can't. It's not feasible. They have too many cocktails uh, being churned every hour. Also, the bartenders are at different levels of expertise. Some are training and teaching, and it leads to all sorts of unusable ice and even injuries because, again, they're hand-cut. You see some of these uh, bartenders who are using knives and chisels to hand-cut this while they're holding it. Injuries are likely to occur. That was a big concern of mine, honestly, when when I first thought of this, and is the pure safety hazard of it. Yeah, yeah and we've talked about uh, there's a lack of real storage in a lot of these bar locations, and so in addition to the spirits and the beer and the wine they're storing, now you've got to have a separate frozen area to yeah. store these specially mm-hmm. made cubes of ice. Samuel says they served 140,000 old fashions last year alone at the cocktail club. Wow. Just that one type of cocktail, the old fashioned. So if you take that into consideration, the amount of ice cutting, training, and work that will go into it is just not feasible, he says, for their establishment. They use high-quality machines to produce interesting ice at high volume consistently. They use a, a brand manufacturer called Hojizaki, uh, spelled with an H, and they use those at the London Cocktail Club. They get to maintain. They produce excellent quality ice, but they don't require the hand carving, uh, and they can make them in different shapes and sizes, but consistently with lower overhead. Yeah, and I would imagine we always talk about the amount of training, too, that would go into having to learn how to carve these different shapes. That would add to your you know, to your cost as well. That's right. And you know, one of the features of the big hand-cut ice or the big cubes of ice is there's more density, there's more surface area, the ice will melt more slowly mm-hmm. and uh, less dilution. Now, that means if the ice is melting slower and you have finished your drink, there is a big chunk of ice that is going to be tossed out, even if you order a second, because they're going to make you a fresh drink and a fresh glass. So it's quite a bit of waste that goes into that, even when it's been fully consumed. Absolutely. Well, as we know, there's always two sides to any argument. So what is the other side of this? Well, the other side, a gentleman named Andrew Dickey, he's the head bartender at Nine Below in Dublin, Ireland. He says their bar right in the heart of the Dublin city center. They specialize in fine wines, champagne, spirits, and cocktails. He thinks cocktails call for the best ice you can possibly get. Ice is as important as any other ingredient in his perspective, and it's often overlooked. Hand-carved ice, according to him, is an amazing addition to have in your bar. If you can make it, you need to have block ice machines that are, use directional freezing processes. Wow. So think about <laughs> a block of ice that um, you know, is four foot long and two foot wide and half a foot deep. It's like a slab, like a mini coffin okay, laid, wow. laid on its side. And I know that because Jennifer's and her family, they used to own machines like this in Alaska. Oh, they wow. would make all this ice for carvings. So specialty equipment. And what happens is they slowly freeze the water with air circulating around so that all the bubbles rise to the surface and you end up with crystal clear, very dense chunks of ice which is what Andrew Dickey is looking for for his cocktails. It leaves the ice crystal clear. It means it has a greater density. It'll slow down the rate of dilution, and you can enjoy your old-fashioned underground longer because it doesn't become over-diluted too quickly. Also, another advantage, according to this, is that using block ice, it can be cut to any size, whereas most of your standard ice machines, they produce it in the one-inch by one-inch cubes. Now, we heard the other side that if you have the, the highest of high-end machines, you can get it cut in different shapes. 
but for most people, that's probably not the norm, and, and this offers a different different option. Yes, he talks about uh, the, the need for both types of ice. And in fact, he talks about even at Nine Below, the bar in Dublin. <laughs> at Nine Below, the uh, bar in Dublin, they also use the Hoshizaki machines to produce regular uh, ice in a mass quantity. He talks about the dark and stormy cocktail or a penicillin that uses fresh ginger extract. He said uh, he shakes it vigorously with one block of ice to make sure it doesn't get over diluted with ginger because, again, it is so big. But then they may pour that into a a glass that has something uh, made from the Hochizaki ice machine. And and Andrew Dickey says something that I think is indicative of, of, of this whole argument is that it's not only important to the quality of the drinks, but in his mind, it's important to the bar's brand and the bar's ability to stand out on social media and market themselves. So it kind of brings it back full circle to what we were talking about. What is your identity as a bar? What is What are you going for? Because there's a lot of ways to set yourself apart, and uh, I understand uh, Dickie's argument that this this could be one of them if you want that more artisanal route. But if you are the the type that's pumping out what was it 150,000 uh, old fashions a year, then yes. you probably you're probably looking along the lines of a machine. Well, and to your point, Andrew Dickey says that they've been working with the hand-carved ice for more than four years, and people, he says, quote, lose their minds when they see it being made in front of them and when the presentation of the ice in the glass is finally given to them. Absolutely. So in in his mind, maybe, maybe not everybody should start using it because it's a unique thing, and then when you go to his bar, it's a special thing. That's right. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, are you a Bigfoot believer? Are you a lover of craft beer? Well, we've got the perfect event for you coming up next week. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us right now. We are joined by Janet Willis, Director of Events for Seabrook, who's here to chat with us about the 6th Annual Bigfoot Brew Fest. Already in the title, I, I, it fits perfectly for the Northwest. Janet, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Now, you recently became a part of this is the 6th Annual Bigfoot Brew Fest, but you recently became a part of this event. For people who don't know and haven't gotten to experience uh, the fun, what is this event all about? It's an opportunity for our guests, residents, locals, um, out-of-towners to come and enjoy Seabrook. Also experience, um, you know, trying a lot of little mini micro-craft breweries that are local just within even the Grace Harbor community or um, locally in the Pacific Northwest. It's a chance for them to sample some things that maybe wouldn't be available at their grocery store or at their local pub. So um, these are some some unique brewers, and it's just a great opportunity to try some of the things they're experimenting with or maybe some of their seasonal flavors. Oh, and by the way, we'll also have a few local wineries and a few local distilleries as well to make sure we have something for everyone. Round it out, yeah. Yeah, I know Heritage is actually going to be out there at the VIP portion of the Bigfoot Beer Fest. That's such a big thing here, especially with the rise of craft breweries, craft wine and spirits here in the Pacific Northwest. We've got a lot of uh, great local sources for that. But what is it do you think about about the Pacific Northwest that especially lends itself to craft beer? You know, Actually, my previous past, I was in the beer industry, so um, 
Yeah. I can speak to this honestly. Um, I think it's just, you know, we come from a culture where coffee, food, you know, we're, we're indoors a lot. And so I think, you know, as part of the richness of our lifestyle here, I think it's age. And I think it's people who just want to dive into those categories and experiment and try things that are unique and different. And also primarily, you know, locally supporting small business as well. And just their adventure for cuisine, I think it all plays a big part of, you know, why it's become so popular. Absolutely. It's uh, there's a lot of loyalty I find to the to the local community and to also just the impact of of health and sourcing things locally here in the Pacific Northwest. Correct. Now, the name Bigfoot Brewfest, how did that originate? You know, I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm just, you know, from bits and pieces I've gathered, it, it just kind of goes with the folklore of the area. We're near the rainforest and, you know, um, it's a happy creature and seems mm-hmm. like Bigfoot would be open to, you know, hey, coming to a brew fest or <laughs> I surfing so. or, you know, enjoying some good grub. So um, I think it all married itself well and the festival just kind of, you know, grassroots to the point that it is now, um, it, 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 it fit, it fit our area here for sure. Well, if you, if you are a person who believes in Bigfoot or uh, follows along, (laughs) there's a, there's someone at this festival that you're going to want to see talk, right? Yes, absolutely. His name is uh, Brock Powell and he's one of, um, 10, um, tracker and ex experts in the U S and he's going to be speaking at one o'clock on our center stage, um, regarding his experience and documentation about out tracking Bigfoot and what he's discovered, sharing some footprints and um, some of his experiences with his colleagues that also go out and track Bigfoot. So we're really excited to have him come as a guest because um, no matter whether you're young or old, it, it's it's an interesting topic and um, he has a lot of great stories and documentation to share. So we're very excited to have him. It's neat because it's not only is this festival about trying the different over 40 varieties, right, of craft beers yes. and yes. Uh, 15, different, 40. 15 different breweries, but you can also do a lot of fun things. And it sounds like very family oriented things too. What are some of the activities you guys got going on? Oh my goodness. We, because, you know, so much about Seabrook is family and multi-generational from little kids Mm -hmm. to um, grandparents. Um, Well, first we start off at 10 a.m. We have a Yeti parade led by Yeti himself. So whether you're the grandparents, parents, kids, you can bike, walk, dress up, paint your face, uh, decorate your bike, whatever. Um, It's just fun times for everybody to participate in a real-life parade. Um, We have Buck's Bike um, at Seabrook who will be offering uh, their skimboard pool for those who like to skimboard. We have Human Games, which will be um, Hungry Hippo and Foosball at our new Soma Park for adults (laughs) that want to jump in and play those old-school games. We also have a bouncy house for kids in that same location as well. Um, We have a Merchant Street Fair um, with their wares and produce and goodies. Um, We also have Eric Hawley, who is a frequent guest here. He is a sand sculptor who's going to be carving um, a Bigfoot sand sculpture and then also offering um, chance for kids to learn how to do an actual sand castle sand sculpture and 
he gets down there with them and shows them how much water to use and buckets and shovels. So it's pretty popular. And then um, we're offering yoga happy hour for those who need a Zen moment or two. (laughs) That's at 3 p.m. I want to see Bigfoot doing yoga happy hour. I know. I think he'd be into it. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, if you've you've tried a few of the distillery items or a little (laughs) bit of wine and you need a little break from the noise or the festivities, you can just walk on over to Crescent Park and um, our um, guest instructor, Elizabeth Grazer, is going to be offering yoga happy hour. And then that's followed by live music by the June Bugs. Um, They're out of Portland. So they do have kind of a following. So for those of you who really enjoy that band, um, great time to come out and see us. And then we have multiple food trucks from everything from barbecue, tacos, um, seafood, dogs, um, pizza. So we've, I think we've covered all our bases from that standpoint, from a food selection. And then last but not least, um, we also um, have a DJ playing all day as well, too, that's local. That um, So before the band kicks off, we have that. And then the the most amazing part of the day is it will be our first official um, art sculpture um, that we're going to be installing at Seabrook, but it's our guest local chainsaw sculptor, Anthony Robbins, who's going to be oh, wow. <laughs> carving live a Bigfoot that's about between eight and 10 foot tall. So you can come watch him um, as it all takes shape. Yeah, literally take shape. I I, yeah, I would exactly. be fascinated yeah. by that. I've never seen one live. I've seen some videos on YouTube, but this is people's chance to actually see the statue carving live. Yeah, yeah. So, and Anthony's local and he's got a great following. He goes all <laughs> over the country to do these sculptures. So we feel very fortunate to have him for the day and, every, you know, all of our guests get to witness this taking place. That's that's pretty pretty, pretty neat. So you get a full day of fun for you know the whole family, all these different activities, plus of course great beer, wine, and spirits, and it's all for just twenty five dollars, right? Yes. Yeah, so twenty five dollars into the twenty one and over tent gets you six tickets, which offers six tries, and that also includes a Bigfoot pint glass. And then online, you can go and buy ahead of time. Um, as well, the VIP pass, which is $40, which gets you a meet and greet with the brewer from Triceratops and Matchless, as well as our local resident, um, the Hop Father, who will also be sharing some of his stashes of local beers um, with some unique flavors. So basically, our guests will get to try a flight of different things and meet a few experts um, and learn a little bit of Beer 101 and try some unique um, flavors that haven't made it out there in the um, in the market, but maybe a little bit of experimenting going on and some stuff that's new that will be coming up. So um, they'll also get a swag bag with that um, entry as well for the VIP. So something for everybody. That's what that's what yeah, sounds like is, yeah. is available. All ages. Probably love yeah, it. Yeah, all ages. So where can people get those tickets? Um, they can go online to the Seabrook website to just just look under our events calendar and it'll walk you right through to the link. So it's www.seabrook.com? Wa, yeah. Okay, Seabrook perfect. Wa, W-A. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Janet. We really appreciate you uh, taking time. It's my pleasure, and thank you for sharing our event with all your listeners. Uh, of course, and if you get any pictures yeah. of Bigfoot, we want, we want uh, you to share those with us, okay? <laughs> 
Coming up on Cast Club Radio, well, Justin, he's going through a big a big life change right now. We hear a little bit of that story. Plus, we've got a great cocktail recipe for you. It's all next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, we've got a great cocktail recipe coming up for you. But Justin, first I have to ask you, I know recently you underwent a, a big change in your family, right? We did. We moved into a new house and just finished that last week. And as a testament to my wife and partner Jennifer, her <laughs> uh, organizational prowess, uh, everything went off without a hitch. Movers showed up. Boxes were packed. We had done that. She did a lot of work to prep for it. And so when the movers showed up, uh, they did not have an opportunity to stop and take a break because uh, they were not waiting for us to pack pack boxes. (laughs) Everything was ready to go. That does not shock me at all that Jennifer would be 110% on top of it. That's right. And then so we're at the house and waiting for boxes to be unloaded and they start to get unloaded. And who shows up but Comcast. Oh. And uh, they're two hours early, (laughs) believe it or not. never happens. Wow. Yeah. And so they got the internet hooked up and uh, we're trying something new at our house. We went for the larger bandwidth package. So we're, yeah. we got the 250 uh, megs per second package. And uh, we're going to try Hulu uh, for a while. Yeah. The premium package, which gets us all the TV channels plus everything else online. And we're going to try that because, uh, you know, more and more streaming. And yeah, we we get the virtual DVR. We can use it on all of our devices, even if we're on the road. So a very cool package and got to love technology. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just going going the route of being like untethered to a, a full-on contract, just the freedom to pick and choose, which is kind of nice. And access to lots of stuff and really focused on stuff that you want and able to skip a bunch of stuff that you don't need. You know, I don't really need the public access channel from yeah. <laughs> uh, DuPont. Yes. You know, all the shopping example. networks on there. Not, oh, not yeah. Really those. Well, yeah. What's, what's the biggest challenge of uh, having to move a pretty big family at the same time as school is starting, right? Or at least yeah. getting going. Yeah. Uh, we got all the school stuff. And then uh, thankfully we didn't move schools or districts. We just moved literally two blocks down. Oh, wow. And it's the organizational stuff, right? It is everything that is involved with getting your loan documents together and kind of the nervousness of all that goes into the home buying process because Mm -hmm. for as much as it is the American dream, uh, and it is, home ownership is the rock solid foundation of the economy and the stability of all of our communities. Until the documents are signed and the funds have been wired and the loan from the bank has been wired into escrow, you never know what the banks are going to do. You never know at the last minute what the underwriter is going to say. And I do have to give a shout out to our loan officer at KeyBank. They went above and beyond and did a, a tremendous job. And we're just very excited. And yeah. We love living in the area. We love, you know, we're both of us were born here in Puget Sound. And uh, we love raising our kids here. We love running the distillery business and founding this company here. And we have 116 employees now between wow. our Washington locations and the Eugene location. And uh, we're humbled by the support that the community continues 
to uh, throw our way for our products and our company. And we just picked up distribution representation into Utah and Wyoming. We're very excited about wow. that. And we're just growing the brand, growing the company, and trying to create another kind of anchor heritage brand for the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely. And of course, it comes down to having a great product, first and foremost. But right next to that is is people who connect with your brand and connect with the people behind it and the fact that you are all about the community and and sort of just making all those around you better. Well, the thing I'm most proud of is when I get an email from somebody. It could be a random customer that yeah. I've never met. It could be uh, someone who's been a lifelong friend. It could be someone who we partner with. And when they go into one of our tasting rooms, they talk to the staff. They don't announce who they are. Yeah. Uh, if it's a friend, they just go in kind of like secret shopping. And over and over and over again, consistently, every time, almost without fail, I get an email or a text saying how blown away people are by the customer service, how knowledgeable the staff are, how well they were treated, and how much fun they had and how they were respected as a customer. And that, to me, says that this culture that we have tried to create, which starts at the top, how do you treat people, how do you interact with them, Mm -hmm. and uh, how do you try to do good things, has filtered its way through the organization because it is something we continue to emphasize every day. So getting those messages from customers at all levels and all locations really makes me feel good that we are doing something special. Yeah, it's a people business and uh, and it, it's very rewarding when you when you hear how not only with the product but uh, what you're doing again in the community that's making a difference for people and it's part of the reason why you guys have been so successful, why we've talked on the show about you opening new locations like the one in Ballard, like the one on Capitol Hill and actually we talked about it at the beginning of the show but you've got something kind of cool that's going on unique to the Capitol Hill location. Yeah, so Saturdays, 2 o'clock, we have what we call the friends and family happy hour. It's like a pre-happy hour, Saturday afternoon. If your chores are done and the kids' soccer games are over and you haven't quite made plans for dinner, head to our Capitol Hill tasting room and sample products, talk to our staff, maybe sign up to join the cast club, get some of those cast club member benefits, and uh, otherwise get out and enjoy a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, spending time with friends and family, never a never, uh, time misspent as they say, and you can taste at that location some of Heritage Distilling's coffee vodka. And if you can't make it out, though, this week's cocktail, right, Justin, has got has got some of this involved. That's right. So Monday is October 1st. It is International Coffee Day. Ooh. Of course, in a city like Seattle, what else is there <laughs> uh, besides coffee, craft beer, great wine, uh, and craft spirits? But coffee is such a mainstay of, of the Northwest and the experience. So in honor of International Coffee Day, we have a coffee hazelnut cream cocktail. Yum. Starts with two ounces of our Heritage Distilling Coffee-flavored vodka, which in and of itself is amazing. Uh, one ounce of hazelnut simple syrup, one and a half ounces of uh, cream, and some high-quality dark chocolate. So first, let's talk about the hazelnut simple syrup. There's really two things you can do. Uh, you can go to a specialty store and get some hazelnut simple syrup, or you can make it yourself. Simple syrup is always equal parts water with uh, sh- sugar. Cook the sugar in the water on the stove, let it chill, and it's a sweet simple syrup. You may take a little bit of hazelnut extract or hazelnut liqueur and add it to it to get the hazelnut simple syrup flavor. Okay? That's the hazelnut simple syrup. So, <laughs> cocktail. Pour all liquid ingredients in your shaker that has ice in it, two ounces of the coffee vodka, one ounce of the hazelnut simple syrup, one and a half ounces 
of the cream. Shake it, pour it out into a glass. This will look beautiful in a martini glass with a tall stem. And then uh, you can top it off with shaved hunks of uh, that dark chocolate and maybe even float two or three uh, coffee, whole coffee beans on the top. Oh, that sounds beautiful and uh, speaks right to the native Seattle coffee lover in me. So this is definitely a must try. Well, as always, you can check out uh, episodes of Cast Club Radio at heritagedistilling.com or uh, head on over to CairoRadio.com. They're also available there, so you can catch up on past episodes. That's right. You can catch us at uh, Cast Club Radio at HeritageDistilling.com if you want to email us questions, comments, topics, cocktail ideas. Uh, you also now will be able to find us on AM 710 ESPN on Saturdays. So it's exciting. We've broadened the reach. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Cast Club Radio. And also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.